to the Nice of the Dawn podcast. We're super excited to have you here today, where we talk about all things Brandon Wolf. This is episode two of book one of Fablehaven. And so today we're going to be talking about chapters five through eight of the book. And this is where the magic really starts happening. This is the fun part, because we <laughs> actually get to talk about what the book is about. Without worrying about spoilers. <laughs> yeah, so... We were trying to be cryptic in the last one, not like... Yeah, this chapter starts with Chapter 5, Journal of Secrets, and it's where Kendra finishes opening the Journal of Secrets that had all of the keys to it. And at the end of the book, she doesn't find anything in there until the end of the book where it just says three words. Drink the milk. Yes, drink <laughs> the milk. It's very cryptic, and she's like, okay, what does this mean? Um, But eventually... She figures out that it means the milk that Dale had been leaving in the yard. And being very suspicious about. And being very suspicious. <laughs> and, but then Kendra uses Seth as her guinea pig to try the milk because she's like, well, if it has diseases, I don't want it, you know? And so he tries it and he starts freaking out about all these insects and he's like, look at all the fairies. And she's like, what? And so she tries it and lo and behold... There's fairies and magical creatures. And so then they go in with Grandpa, and he tells them all about the magical preserve that Fablehaven, which is the name of the place they are at, actually is with all these magical creatures and magic, like fairies, satyrs, unicorns, <laughs> centaurs, you know, anything. All of these magical creatures. So this whole new world opens up to them. So in this bit, we really do get into the world building of what is Fablehaven. So yeah. it's like a magical preserve that where you can kind of experience these creatures in a safe environment. Well, as safe as you can get. Safe is Relative. questionable. Relatively <laughs> safe. Okay, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. It's more safety for the magical creatures. As, as we, and we find out it's not so safe for the humans later on in this section. Yeah. But yeah, so we go through the next couple. We get some fairy lore about what they can do, what they can't do, what is not good for them. Um, and Seth has lots of consequences. He, he's being Seth. Like, I swear, he's so smart, but he's so dumb. And he makes yep. a very innocent, to be fair, very innocent mistake. Yeah. But he pays the price for it. Yes. Yeah. So today we're going to be going into some of the themes and, like, of world building that we get. Because it's very, it's really interesting. It's simple, but... It is super interesting. Yeah. So getting into, like, my first kind of thing here. Brandon Mole, he really just, like, he makes, like, like it makes it makes so much sense. Because everything's invisible. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, like, of course we can't see him. They're all invisible. And it's kind of funny. So, like, unless you drink the milk, you cannot see the fairies, the magical creatures. I think it's hilarious just how he just explains it all away with such a simple... Plot yeah. device. Yeah. But at the same time, it makes sense. Of mm -hmm. course, magical milk helps you see fairies. Why wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wonder who figured that out first. I do like the way that it's just kind of like setting it up, because first of all, it's just like, drink the milk, and you're like, why? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but then, yeah, you get your little brother to try first. That's, that's the real point. But oh, yeah. I just like kind of like the mysterious of it that just kind of led up into this big reveal of like, well, maybe not big, you know. If you read the back of the book, it's probably not a big reveal, but yeah. <laughs> it's still, like, a cool thing of being, like, oh, my gosh, this whole magical world. And I'm, like, man, I want to, like, go to, like, some relative's house and then have it drink some milk and then 
enter a magical world. Like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and I really like how Grandpa, he, well, Grandpa Sorensen, he mentions, like, he, this, these are the, this has been for, not the first time he's tried this test. Yeah. Like, he mentions that he's had some of Seth and Kendra's cousins over. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, I gave them the exact, like, the same puzzles. I made it no more difficult, no more easy there than I did for you two. Mm-hmm. But he, like, he knows if, like, the right people are interested, they'll figure it out. Exactly. Kendra had the brains and the persistence to get through the puzzles. Seth had the gall and the determination to and dumb bravery to try it out. But like they both had the combination that made it work, that made it so that they could pierce the veil, for yeah. lack of a better yeah. metaphor. Sorry, I was laughing because when you said dumb bravery, <laughs> I thought of McGonagall's and ten points for sheer dumb, dumb luck. It's <laughs> what it made that's me think of what it is though. It's <laughs> literally what it is though. So yeah, that's what I thought of. <laughs> Yes, like, yeah. they were dumb enough to try, and somehow it worked out. Yeah. That's Seth 90% of the time, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But what I really love about, especially, like, Journal of Secrets chapter, is that when Grandpa is, like, explaining to them about the world, he tells them of the rules of the world mm-hmm. and how these sanctuaries were created with treaties where all of the inhabitants of them agree to this treaty, and that's what binds all of the magic together to make it a safe enough place for everything to coexist. Mm -hmm. And that there are rules, and with rules, if you break them, there come consequences. And I really like that he establishes this as kind of like part of living there because obviously if there's magical creatures, there's danger with Mm -hmm. it. And so he's really trying to instill within Seth and Kendra that they really need to take this seriously because this isn't make-believe anymore. This has become a real world. He's 50% successful. <laughs> All jokes aside, I really like one of his um, quotes here. Like, when he's really explaining it, he's like, speaking broadly, they are based on the law of the heart of harvest, the law of retribution. If you do not bother the creatures, they will not bother you. That is what affords you so much protection when you are unable to see them. You can't interact with them, so they generally behave likewise. But now that Seth and Kendra can see them, the danger is increased. Mm-hmm. Like, the protections can even be annulled by just going where you're not supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that could be very problematic for Seth. <laughs> like, Grandpa yes. even tells him, like, you went into some sketchy areas, son, yeah. and they could have turned out much worse. Like, if he, like, had yeah. done other things with Muriel, he might not have come home, is exactly. what Grandpa's getting back, get back to. And so, <sighs> Grandpa really tries to, like, get this into their heads. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I feel like he also loosens up a little bit. Like, there's this one part where, like, they're talking about the fairies and about how, like, some of their personality traits and how they're very vain Mm -hmm. and how um, when, like, the fountains and the bird baths are full, they will stare at their reflections for hours. And Seth makes the joke, is Kendra a fairy? (laughs) And Grandpa, rather than, like, being stern, he, like, bites his lip and he's, like... (laughs) Try not to laugh. Like, try not to laugh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, ignore that comment, but, like, Kendra's, like... (laughs) Okay. And just kind of rolls her eyes and like, like, oh, man. Continue the conversation. Grandpa gets his composure back and they continue. But you really see, like, a little bit more of a, like, like, I don't think Grandpa would have laughed as much about that. (laughs) It's kind of like, Kendra's kind of like, man, maybe they are related. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we really get to see kind of Grandpa's fun size. Like, later on, he plays with the bubbles and the fairies. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just like like before, he wasn't able to interact with the kids as well because he was dancing around the secret, mm-hmm. and so was Dale, and so was Lena. Although yeah. Lena did a lot more gracefully than everybody, everybody else, let's be I honest. I think Dale gets an F for, <laughs> in my grade of... Grandpa gets a C-minus. He of, passed. 
Yeah, well, like, Grandpa was, like, only trying to, like, try to allude to the fact that we yes. were serious cell. was like, uh, this milk is not bad for you. It's, it's bad. <laughs> Salmonella. So scurvy. Scurvy. And she's like, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, sure, but Guinea pig. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's gotta be my that's my Kendra moment mm-hmm. for the ser- the for the episode. The fact that she goes, Oh Seth, I need a guinea pig. Well, and also she doesn't even say to oh, no. him that he's a guinea pig. <laughs> she she makes drinks. him think that she already drank it and he and She's like, that, It's a cool thing. Yeah, and then he's like, Oh, well then I have to try it too. She tricks him into it. Yeah. Like which is really funny. I love that. <laughs> and also, but like at the same time later on once they figure it out, my other my other contestant for this Kendra moment was the fact that, like, Seth, of course, as soon as he knows that there's magical monsters and everything surrounding him, he's like, well, no way in heck am I staying in the yard now. Yeah. And Kendra knew it. Do you want to talk about this part? I know you really liked it. Oh, yeah. So this is at the beginning of Chapter 6. Not the beginning. Is it magic? Just kidding. Yeah. It's in Chapter 6, which is yeah. magic. Page... 93 and 94. Mm-hmm. Um, Seth goes out dressed in his camouflage t-shirt because, Iconic. you know, that will hide you from everything. With his cereal box With his ready. cereal box emergency kit. And then Kendra's like, um, where are you going? And Ken- and Seth is like, out into the woods. Duh. I he's, already, he's already in the woods. Magical he's already 10 feet in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's gone. And Kendra's like, so funny. Nah. Continue. And so, um... Kendra's like, um, well, why are you stupid? Like, <laughs> Grandpa just told us about these real reasons of why we don't need to go into the woods because we could die, and so you should not go out into the woods. And then Seth's like, whatever. Grandpa goes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and he says, like, adults always underestimate kids. And he's just like, I'll be fine. Like, I can handle myself. They just have this, like, funny conversation. And then Kendra's like, he knew you went into the woods last time. He knew we drank the milk. How would he not know that you're going again? And of course he blames Kendra. <laughs> and then he blames Kendra. He's like, you're bad luck. It, it, it rubbed off on me. And yeah. I'm like, honey. And this, this is probably one of my favorite Kendra quotes from these chapters. She says, um, your secret agent skills need some work. You should A good start might not be wearing your camouflage shirt every time you go exploring. And Seth says, I need to hide from the dragons. Like, duh, Kendra. Like... <laughs> What else would I be doing? Why else so would I need funny. this camouflage shirt? And then he says, like, the stuff in his emergency kit will save him. Rubber bands, whistles, mirrors, cigarette lighter, and firecrackers. I think I'm a wizard. <laughs> the fact that I think he actually believes I think that. he does. I think he believes that it would. And, like, yeah. he, like, even, like, he's like, I have a fairy skull that I nicked from Grandpa's office. They'll yeah, think that. twice before they mess with me. And she's like, oh, yeah, the skull the size of, like, a thumbnail. That will be No, oh, you'll really terrifying. scare him off. I mean, but she is successful this time. Kendra's like, no. I, like, if you go out there, we're, I'm going to Grandpa. Because, like, I love how the contrast. Because yeah. in the first section of that, the first um, episode that we talked about, Kendra, she knows he's going out. He's wearing his camouflage t-shirt. He's mm-hmm. got a cereal box. She knows where he's going. But she trusts that he's not going to be stupid enough and that it's safe enough that he won't get, like, hurt. Yeah. And so she lets him go. And even when Dale asks her, where's your brother? She's like, nah, I think he's in the house. Yeah. She covers for him. Bare ba- 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 minimum. But this time, she's like, no. You could die. I am not going to let you go off in there mm-hmm. when Grandpa has given us now very, very good reasons as to why that's a bad idea. Yeah. 
So I really like the, the difference, like, because we have two very similar situations, just with a yeah. lot of different context. One, she covered for him. One, she's covering him, like, no. <laughs> yeah, she's like, no, 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 no. This time, I'm not going to let your stupidity prevail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, this time, I'm, I'm letting my reason be in charge here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big sister moment. <laughs> yes, quality moment. But yes, we also have some thickening plot in several different regards in this section. We know that Grandma Grandma uh, Sorensen is a little bit more, com- her situation is a little bit more complicated than we were led to believe. She's not visiting, to quote Kendra, aunt whoever in Missouri, but we don't know exactly what's happening to her. Yeah. Know there's something going on, but we don't know exactly what. Mm-hmm. We um, get some Lena backstory, which yes. I love. Yeah, it becomes so cool, important later on it in the is, series. It's so good. It's so beautiful. It's I so love, good. I love her story. I do love the love story of Lena and Patton Burgess. Mm-hmm. We get introduced to Patton Burgess, who later, you know, becomes very, very popular with people. <laughs> we don't have to talk about For that. For good reason. <laughs> yeah. But we we can move on. So to summarize their stories, so basically Patton Burgess was a. Uh, groundskeeper at Fable Haven. He took care. He, a caretaker at Fable Haven a long time ago. I like a like hundred years, years ago. hundred something ago. Yeah, 1880-something, yeah. I think. I think that's what it was, 1890. I don't know. And so, but he becomes enamored with the naiads that live in the pond that Kendra and Seth had visited. He visits there often. He just, like, he, like, messes with them because, of course, naiads, what they do, they, gra- they try to, like, lure people into the water and grab them, pull them down to drown. You know, mm-hmm. what they do. And, but, so Patton, he knows this, but he's still fascinated by them. He builds a boathouse, he makes some sturdy boats, and he, like, almost toys with them. Like, mm-hmm. he, like, like, he's constantly out of reach for them. But he becomes fascinated with one night in particular. And it's not until the end of the story that we find out that that was Lena. And he, like, woos her. He, like, serenades her with a, with a violin. He talks to her, makes her promises to what life would be like. Because naiads can leave the water and become mortal. Mm-hmm. But... Which to them, like, because in the water they're pretty much immortal. They, yeah. they will never die. But, like, Patton's like, you, but you can come with, live with me and, like, and have this amazing life. I promise I'll take care of you. I will love you and everything. And it's mm-hmm. so, it's like, he just, like, woos her. And eventually, one day, her, her affections are put to the test because he makes a mistake. He falls in the water and the naiads are about to drown him. About to drown him. Yeah. And she says, No. And I like this because she could have just rescued him. She could have just rescued him and like take like thrown him out of the out of the pond yeah. and stayed. But no, she chooses to leave with him. I mm-hmm. think it's like at that moment where she has to choose. She's like, wait, no, I actually love him and I want to be with him. Yeah, I don't want to see him die. Sadly, she still has to because she ages a lot slower than he does, which is why she's still alive a hundred and something years later. Yeah, but like she gets to have this really, she gets to have a life with him. And I think she said that they had like fifty or sixty years of marriage, so that's still like yeah, quite a bit. At least for you know for Pat and not for Lena. But then she goes and off, she goes off and like travels the world, mm-hmm. like literally like everywhere, and has any sort of job you could ever think of. And so I think she's a really interesting. Um, character because she started off as like a magical creature mm-hmm. but was restricted to just living in the pond and so didn't know or didn't even care mm-hmm. about what life could actually be like because everything was what they wanted yes. in the pond but then when she gets out she's like I need to take 
know, this opportunity yeah. to like so she lives, experience life. She lives, she travels, she does everything. And I really like how she, like what you're talking about. I love what she says about the difference between being in the pond and having left. Mm-hmm. Like, because she almost can't even remember. Yeah. what she says. Like, she says mortality is a totally different state of being. It wasn't just her, like, physicality that changed. It was her mentality. Like, yeah. When she was, like, she looks back now and she sees life <clears throat> as, a, as a naiad as being, like, a blur. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she's like, like a dream. A, a million-year blink yeah. is what she said, I think. And once she met Patton, though, she was able to kind of differentiate time because she started to look forward to his visits mm-hmm. and look back in affection at when he had visited in the past. Yeah. And that's what... It kind of gave her that sense of time that she had been missing. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of, like, is able to have, like, this duality of understanding, like, what's it like to be immortal and yet at the same time so narrow-minded, being mm-hmm. confined to such a small space, whereas being young, whereas being mortal, having the difficulties of life, yeah, like, aging, like, she's starting to get on in years even now, like, she's ages slowly, but not, like, she still ages, but she gets to have, like, this amazing life that she that she looks back on and she loves. Mm-hmm. She, she's like, I don't regret it. She, she doesn't regret having left it. She doesn't regret having to die one day because yeah. she got to have this life with the man that she loved. Mm-hmm. And then after that, she had all those experiences that otherwise she would never have had. Yeah. But I do think there is one, not really regret, but she doesn't like the effects of mortality mm-hmm. in that That's she's true. aging. That is one thing that she says she... Which it's wasn't down, part of It's her mortality. biggest downside. Yes. But I think, like, the story of Lena and Patton show, like, very early on in the story, a very interesting concept of, like, humans interacting with these magical creatures mm-hmm. and how, what, how their actions, like, can change mm-hmm. each other. And I think that's a part of, like, the development of the lore of, of this mm-hmm. story is how these interactions between humans and magical creatures evolve. Evolve. Yeah, each they change each other. Mm-hmm. Because like one of Grandpa's like first things that he explains about magical creatures is that they are stagnant. They yeah. are not good. They are not evil. They just are. They have their natures. Like we talk about fairies. The fairies are vain and they make stuff pretty because that's that's what they do. Mm-hmm. They they're not good. Yeah. They're not bad, but they exist yeah. and they'll yeah. hurt you. And they will hurt you. And then you have the brownies who, um, they repair things and stuff, but Grandpa says that they don't do it out of kindness. They do it because they have, it's in their nature, that they want to create, they want to repair. They don't do it. They just like fixing things. Yeah, they just like fixing things. It's not for the benefit of the people in the house, though they do benefit from it. It is because that is just how they are. Mm -hmm. And like the naiads, like Kendra, when she hears like they pull people down to drown, she's like, oh my gosh, that's so cruel. And Grandpa's like, to them it's not. Mm-hmm. To them, it's the same as you killing a fly yeah. or, like, crushing an ant. Like, our lives are blinks to them. So to them, it's just, it's amusing. But to us, it's so different. And I just love that, like, we see the two mindsets starting to come to light here. Yeah. It gets it gets way deeper as we go into, like, farther into the series, which yeah. makes me excited to just talk about. <laughs> but I like what we have here with just, like, the... The introduction, it's very simple mm-hmm. and very profound if you really think about it. Yeah, I really like that he's setting the foundation for, like, how these interactions between these two, like, groups 
honestly it sets the foundation for a lot of things mm-hmm. later in, in the book and in the series and I really really like that mm-hmm. indeed <clears throat> and speaking of fairies we have the traveling fairy broker mm-hmm. Maddox exactly Maddox is quite the interesting character indeed because for a living he goes off into I don't know the wilds or the preserves and whatever and like traps fairies and takes them and goes around the world and sells them and um, Seth is very very intrigued very intrigued by it's this like, job I think his first question is like are you looking for an apprentice yeah <laughs> like, I'm down I'm volunteer but um I volunteer should be <laughs> I thought about making that joke you could do it for me <laughs> but um and so we get a little bit of extra like world building as well as to like the actual world like Kendra asks like how many preserves are there like the yeah. Haven and they're like oh there are dozens like like that are run by caretakers like mm-hmm. grandpa who are trying to preserve these like as like humans have expanded and their populations have grown magical creatures have like fled to these to these preserves so i really like the the distinction like these preserves are not prisons they're not meant to be prisons where like these animals are caged away like maddox it's almost like it's almost like capturing mustangs out on the prey on, on out on the plains and like bringing them in because they can't survive. There's not enough resources for them to survive. It's not an act of cruelty. It's a, it's a humane thing. And yeah. then they're distributed so that they can like have all the things they need to eat and like space to, to move around because they just they can't survive out in the outside world anymore. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of the concept I get. And like another thing I think that's interesting about that is that like in the world they used to believe mm-hmm. in like these things, but now as the world becomes less and less inclined to believe in magical creatures or magic at all you know it really wasn't a place for the magical creatures so they created these preserves to protect them protect them and give them a place preserve them (laughs) give them a place to be Mm -hmm. exactly and so maddox he goes out into the woods and and he like finds fairies like we get to see some of his more favorite finds like like fairies that had like wings on their ankles inside their backs like furry ones yeah and then his <clears throat> Magnum opus, his crown jewel, yeah. the gin harp, which really like this early, like it's so super, like it's it's super cool just to see like the little the little things, yeah, like this beautiful golden fairy with a beautiful voice, where uh, the only other like there it was thought that there was only ever one. She has her own shrine in the Gobi Desert or something, mm-hmm. and like and so Maddox finds another one. She's like, well, well looky here, what I got, <laughs> yeah, and so like, exotic, yeah. And, like, Max is like, I could probably retire off the money I'm going to get for her. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's just super cool to see, like, that aspect of it as well. We see the preserve, and now we also see kind of, like, the business side. And so it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And another interesting world building that is brought up in this chapter is that we learn of the existence of something called the Society of the Evening Star, which is... Important. A pretty big thing, <laughs> considering that the the next book is called The Rise, Rise of, of the, the Evening Star. Star. <laughs> so, yes. um, yeah, I just I like that this that these chapters start to like we're introduced to magical creatures at first, but then we realize that it's not just within this preserve of Fablehaven mm-hmm. that it is literally a whole new world, right. and that there are thing. yeah, and that there are other people involved. It's not just contained to their little place at Fablehaven, that it is global and that there's like conflict within it too and that's mm-hmm. that brings up some really interesting ideas. Yeah, we have the Society of the Evening Star, which are described as a group that seek to overthrow the preserves. Yeah. 
and like to use the darker entities inside them for their own gain. Mm-hmm. And so Grandpa, of course, is concerned about this. We find out that there has been some interest in Fablehaven, like they, like um, he's warned that they might know where Fablehaven is, which yeah. is really bad. Like because these pl- these burglars are supposed to be very well hidden to prevent this, and that they might have a spy on the inside. And so Grandpa is very is slightly concerned. He hides it from the kids. And so we don't get much, if I recall correctly, in this book. Yeah. We get, like, there's so many breadcrumbs that I totally forgot about. I know. Like, like rereading through these, I'm like, oh, my gosh. They talk about the society this early. Oh they talk gosh. about patent versions. They're about patent ver- I'm like, whoa. Like, so many, like, name drops happen that yeah. you don't realize are so significant until later on. Yeah. And there's just so many little things, and I love it. Yeah. It's like, that's my that's my favorite writing style is when, like, authors, like, just sprinkle in little tiny details, little obscure things that just make you want more. Mm-hmm. Like they're just like, oh, what, what, what does that mean? Like I want, I want to know. So Society of the Evening Star, talk about them, and it's just then <laughs> this chapter ends kind of funny because <laughs> they're like, all right, time to go to bed for anyone who's under the age of thirty. <laughs> and then Seth is like, what? He has such FOMO. He's like, you can't, wait, what? You can't just banish me upstairs. I want to hang out and, like, talk about talk fairies. about fairies and learn about this new world. And they're like, nope, go to bed. We have negotiations. Yeah. And then Maddox, the way that he, he says, he says, no matter what you might think you hear, just remember we aren't having fun. I'd say they were. Which is, oh yeah, yeah. That was like such sarcasm. Like they, they, they looked like they, like, we see the aftermath, like a lot of broken stuff, like, and it's just like, yeah, you were totally having fun. And we like, even learned that there were satyrs. Yeah, we even learned that there were satyrs. I just find it amusing as well. Like, Grandpa posted Lena on the stairs. Yeah. The <laughs> she's like reading a book, being like, I, I just like, the way I picture this in my mind is that she's reading and she like, Doesn't they're like, they like open the door, yeah, and she's just like, Go back to bed and like doesn't even like look up from her. Doesn't book. even acknowledge it. It just like turns a page. It's like the classic like mom that like has the eyes in the back of her head and just knows when her children are like trying to do something wrong. Lena has that same instinct of like, nope. <laughs> so funny. No, but yeah. So we love Lena. Lena's queen. But then we learn, as we continue as they like clean up from the party, Seth has been inspired by Max. Maybe not in the best way. No. I mean, if he was going to actually turn into a career, fantastic. But as an 11-year-old boy who is very impressionable and wants to prove himself as being, uh, like, good at catching and good at, like, being on this preserve, it's very bad. So basically, Seth gets it in his head that I want to be like Maddox. I'm going to catch a fairy. And he... It's as simple as that, isn't it, Seth? (laughs) And so he tries various, various um, methods, yes. And he manages to get one. Catches this beautiful little fairy with dragonfly wings. Honestly, it's surprising to me that he was actually... He actually got one, Able yeah. to get a fairy? Like... Like, later on, Grandpa's just a surprise. Like, I did not expect him to try, and I did not expect him to be able to be successful. Yeah, that's really like, oh, man, this kid is a little more capable than I thought he was. Yeah. Yeah. A little fairy, no taller than his little finger. She had fiery red hair and iridescent dragonfly wings. Seth had captured his prize, the perfect pet. Is that mm-hmm. the way how he describes it? Yes. And so he is so proud of himself, but he doesn't tell anybody. No, he's like, no, nah, I gotta keep this this to myself. And that night, he checks on the fairy after Kendra's already asleep, and he looks at her, and she, like, and they can't communicate. She doesn't, like, or I guess 
Like, she can't talk to him. Yeah. But she is, like, just begging. Like, she is, like, pleading with, like, her body language. And Seth's, like... Like, it's okay. It's okay. okay. And he's, like, he even says, like, I'll let you go tomorrow morning. Yeah. Like, he's, like, he feels bad. Mm -hmm. He's, like, I'll let you go tomorrow. Yeah. Sadly, tomorrow is too late. Yes. Because as Seth learns the next day that there are consequences to leaving a fairy inside overnight. And the fairy is, because she was left inside overnight, is consequently turned into what is called an imp, which is a fallen fairy. So, completely different appearance to a fairy, but... Um, they're yeah. gray skin. Yeah. Like, their wings fall off. Uh-huh. Like, I think they have fangs. Like, it's just like, it's like, they completely, like, fall to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like what Grandpa says later, and I think this chapter, the next chapter, he says that like imps and fairies are not different in personality because they're still fairies are very vain, mm-hmm. but so are imps. But because fairies fall and become these like ugly little Disgusting, creatures, yeah. it just turns them even more spiteful and hateful because they're so vain. They yeah. Remember having been beautiful, so they exactly. look at themselves and they're like, I am ugly i'm disgusting yeah i feel like that might be relevant to today just like like are we pulling out a life lesson out of here (laughs) isn't that what the point of this podcast um sure (laughs) i'm just i feel like the message speaks for itself okay like grandpa's like they're like they're the exact same like the minds didn't change at all yeah it's just we see the the negative effects of that mentality mm-hmm. that vanity that's puffed up like i'm so pretty i'm better than anyone else please tell me how pretty i am yeah and we see it's vice and it's just i feel like that could be applied to many people today sure. well, i will leave it sure. at that though yeah, no. but and because late fairies are so vain they see what ha- they find out what happens to this imp she is like the imp escapes and runs off the fairies find out and they all get scared because if it happened to one fairy it could it happen to them. Any of them. It could happen to anyone. So they decide to teach Seth a lesson by pulling a treehouse out of a tree while he's inside of it, chasing him across the lawn and into a pool and turning him into a half-formed, um, disfigured walrus. Walrus. Yes. <laughs> that breathes out of its stomach. Talk about consequences. Yeah. <laughs> Seth really gets to feel the heat on this one. Yeah, and I just, I can't even imagine what's running through, like, Grandpa's mind as he, like, runs up onto the scene and is, like, like, the flashing lights, the, flashing lights, the fairies, the fallen treehouse, Kendra mm-hmm. screaming, and and then he sees what he's like, oh, that's Seth. <laughs> what is going on here? Oh, my gosh. And then, like, the fairies talk to him, and then he's like, well, crap. <laughs> I brought these kids into this preserve, into this magical world, and one or two days later, this happens. Like, and it's uh, it's hard because you can't really blame. You can't place the blame solely on anyone. No, no, you can't. Grandpa could have explained everything more, but at the same time, he didn't understand quite how far Seth was willing to go. Yeah. Seth, Kendra didn't know, so she wasn't able to hold Seth back, mm-hmm. and Seth didn't know what the consequences of what he did would be. Exactly. He just wanted to have a fairy. He yeah. wanted to prove that he could do it. Yeah. And the fairies, they were just scared, and they were reacting to what was a a horrible, horrible mm-hmm. fate for one of their own. Yeah. Scared of what could happen to them. And so, and they retaliate. And so mm-hmm. nobody has the full blame, and That's that true. makes it so much better, I'd yeah. say. 
grandpa's like, well, now what? Because he has two weeks yeah. left with these kids. Mm-hmm. And now one of them's a walrus. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing for Seth that, like, sucks is that it was, like, a crime. But it was a crime committed in ignorance mm-hmm. because he did not know the rules of, like, fairies having to be outside at least part of the night or else they turn into imps. Like, he he did not know. But that, I think Grandpa says that th- what this teaches is that what you don't know can hurt you. Can still hurt you. Ignorance is not is bliss. Not bliss. <laughs> Ignorance exactly. can lead to dire and even mortal consequences. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Seth really gets to feel that. And so Grandpa's faced with this conundrum as mm-hmm. to how to fix Seth. And he has to do something that he does not want to do. Yeah. We so. gotta go back to the witch's shack. <laughs> Back to Muriel, who we learned her name earlier in these chapters, and her backstory a bit is that she was the wife of a caretaker from in Fablehaven from like a couple hundred years ago, who was also very curious, very inquisitive, inquisitive, like someone we might know, (laughs) whose name starts with S and ends in F. (laughs) But yeah, she ended up going. That shouldn't be so funny. Why is it so funny? (laughs) (laughs) Continuing on, she ended up wandering to areas that, as Grandpa would put it, had less, uh, had more unsavory characters. And she, um, I guess, even more literally turned to the dark side. So she started learning witchcraft from these demons, and her husband was forced, and like she actually tried to stage a overthrow of the. Of the treaty, of the laws that keep... Of the preserve itself. the preserve itself with some of, like, the more demonic um, residents. Yeah. And so her husband is forced to imprison her in this little shack. And so we get it kind of explained why she's there. So she has to be there. And she originally has a rope Mm -hmm. with 13 knots. Yeah. And that was what kept her in prison there. Yes. Like, it wasn't, like, wrapped around her or anything. It was just there. It's like the magical binds of her prison. Exactly. But there's the loophole. Like, if you blow on the knot, it looses, and she can use that magic to grant a favor. Yeah. So over the years, 11, I have to do the math right in my yeah. head, 11 of those knots have been loosed, mm-hmm. and she's down to two. And once all the knots are gone, she's free. She's free to go and run amok and cause havoc. Or do whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, but Grandpa, he knows that he has a very small time frame. And he's got to get Seth back. Mm-hmm. And he knows that the only person with that power and that, that he can reach in that time frame is her. Yes. And he's like, I never wanted her to get down to one knot. But that's his only option yeah. to get Seth back to normal. So they take him out there. In a wheelbarrow. Yeah. In a wheelbarrow. <laughs> Poor Dale. He's got to lug him all the way out he's there. He's like, I'm also I'm just thinking about what Dale is thinking. He's like, okay. Because Dale's normal. Seth. Yeah. He's yeah. a normal guy. <laughs> yeah. He's not a fallen dyad. Out of everyone in this series, I would say Dale is the most normal person. <laughs> I would I would concur. Yeah. I would definitely concur with that. Yeah. He's just a, to quote another normal guy, just a guy with a boomerang. boomerang. I didn't ask for all, all this flying and magic. True. <laughs> another quality show <laughs> with another quality character whose name starts with S. Yeah. Also, when you said um, that she was, like, with, like, the darker side of inhabitants, I almost said the dark side of the force. <laughs> I think we've made too many Star Wars jokes. I know. <laughs> well, 
But so anyway, they're making yeah, their sorry, way to Muriel's house. <laughs> Shack. And so she ribs them a lot. Like, oh, the fair the fair minded adventurer finally has his mistakes have finally caught up to him. Mm-hmm. She's, she's taunting them. She's so she's bitter. Doing. She's so bitter. Well, she's also super smug because she knows that Grandpa yeah. has to come to her and mm-hmm. she is so excited because now she's down to There's one. only one more obstacle in her way mm-hmm. from getting free. So continuing on, so Seth gets healed and he is very humbled. He is very, very humbled. It's like, kid, you've ex- done messed up. <laughs> Grandpa's like, He's like, Grandpa's like, I know you didn't mean to do it, mm-hmm. but this is a perfect example as to what's at stake. Yeah. Like, you could have been trapped like that for months until we could find something to fix you if we weren't, like, hindered by the time frame. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if you learn to be more careful and, like, considerate now yeah. and more obedient, maybe some good will have come out to this experience. Yeah. But... <laughs> And then Kendra, of course, has to throw in a quip, as she is so one to do. I learned something, too. Humans and walruses should never mix. <laughs> something I just kind of want to think of is, like, I mean, we might have already talked about this a little bit, but just kind of, like, the chapters start with, like, the discovery and, like, kind of the wonder of these magical creatures. Mm-hmm. But then through these, just these couple chapters, it kind of goes from, like, the wondrous, like, part of it yeah. to the reality Mm-hmm. of these magical creatures and, like, how dangerous they actually can be. And so that's kind of what I liked about these is that, you know, especially Seth, but also Kendra, learns the danger of interacting with these magical creatures, even something as small and seemingly harmless as a fairy. Yeah, and one that seems so easily contained as well. Like, we we explained, like, with Maddox, yeah. like, if you ca- if you catch a fairy, she can't use her magic against you. Mm-hmm. Like, if she's kept in an enclosed space, yeah, she can't use her magic against you. But... And so, like, to set that makes it sound like, oh, that'd be cool, perfect pet, but he doesn't understand everything. But maybe we should move on to our next portion of the show, our Sethisms. So, yes, in case a reminder is necessary, our Sethisms are our our favorite Seth quotes from the section of the reading. And so I I have a couple that I really liked. One of mine was on page 76. So they've drunk the milk, Mm -hmm. they've figured out the mystery, and they're talking with Grandpa about now the dangers. And Seth is being kind of incredulous, like, are you kidding me? You're saying it's dangerous? I've been into the woods for a far away four times, and I'm and nothing's happened. And Grandpa's just like, four times? <laughs> and Seth's like, so you like backtracks a little, all before the warning, all before the warning. He's like, don't, don't make me be punished again. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do with this kid? Yeah. And then the next one is, um... Uh, well, I guess this next one is more of a Kendraism. Grandpa's once again warning them about, like, the, about a groundskeeper who went where he should not have gone and, uh, and died because of it. And Kendra gives Seth a side eye and goes, in other words, he had no respect for what was off limits. <laughs> and, like, you can tell, like, both her and Grandpa are just staring at him. He's like, and Seth just brushes it off and he's like, oh, yeah, so Queen of the Fairies? Yeah, he's like, uh, I did the subject. I could just see Kendra face palming, like, oh my gosh, this kid's gonna get so killed. Yeah. But yeah, so those are my two that I just, like, chuckled at. Do you have a couple? Yeah. Well, I already read one of them where, like, he's, like, going off into the woods or trying to, and Kendra's like, uh, stop. (laughs) And then there was one other one 
on I love the contrast. Like, Seth gets yeah. bored with the fairy so quickly, whereas Kendra's like, but just stop and smell the roses. He's like, but why roses if there's dragons? Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, wait, continue on. No, you're good. So it's when Seth is trying to catch the fairies with the pool skimmer, mm-hmm. and Kendra's, Kendra says, you shouldn't do that, Kendra said from the pool. Why not? Maddox catches them. Out in the wild, Kendra corrected. These are these already belong to Grandpa. It's like hunting lions at the zoo. Maybe hunting lions at the zoo would be good practice. He says this. He fails multiple times more. Yeah, I just love that. It's just like just kind of like a funny like. Hmm. Maybe I should go do that or like you know. I really sarcasm. like the fairies. Like don't do anything. Like to him, he's like yeah. he's he's just a pest. Yeah. To them, he's like just nothing. Like mm-hmm. yeah, he's like trying to catch them with his pool skimmer, but like. Until he actually catches one of them, which is a shock to everyone, he's not a threat. Like, they don't retaliate, not anyway. Just just another clue into their nature. Yeah. I remembered one thing I wanted to talk about. Do so, as I was, like... So, I listen to these. I, I like to listen to them. Now that I was listening to the audiobook, I was just, like... Something I'd never, really like, thought about before is, like, the way that he writes the perspectives mm-hmm. of these chapters... Because he goes from Kendra to Seth, to Kendra to Seth, a lot in these chapters, like back and forth. Yeah, back and forth in the same chapter. And so I really like the the way that he does it because it feels very seamless and very kind of like, like it makes sense. And I really like how, how it makes the story flow because we just go kind of back and forth between Kendra and Seth. And that I just, I just really like that kind of like style of, of writing and I really like it. Yeah, it really helps you get in their mindsets very effectively. Like, yeah. we're not just with Kendra, we're not just with Seth. It really just, like, leads into the co-protagonist. Yeah, yeah they're, they're both the main characters, and main characters. we get to know them and know their process of thinking and how they see the world, and I just, I really like that in these mm-hmm. chapters. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right, well, I think that's just about it for today. So, once again, that was chapters four through eight, um, Journal of Secrets and Retaliation. And I really like these chapters. They yeah. they, they do a, take a lot of material and condense it very effectively and in a way that's still very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You get the positive, you get the negatives, you get some world building, everything yeah. is all mixed into one <clears throat> really nicely. And, yeah. Yeah, I really like these chapters that we just went over because mm-hmm. they're just like kind of the setup for the rest of the story and some key themes that go throughout the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And so I really like that. Very effective. Well done, Brandon. We're fans. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, we're fans. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I don't know if we introduced ourselves at the beginning, so um, I'm Jessica. I'm Megan, and just as a little goodbye to everyone, a little outro, um, thank thank you all for listening to the Knights of the Dawn podcast. If you have any feedback or comments, feel free to email us at... Knights of the Dawn podcast at gmail.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is also called, called Knights of the Dawn podcast, to stay up to date on any new episodes. And you can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Till next time, thanks for listening. This is Megan. This is Jessica. See you later.